Okay. We're live. Okay. Oh, we can always edit in a preamble. Yeah, that's what I mean. But if we were going to do preamble, would it be about, like... We're going to talk about spoilers, obviously. Um, it's been a week since the game... I, I, I calculated it. It's been a week since the game came out. Do we're we going to analyze it or whatever. What a difficult calculation. <laughs> do we even need a preamble? It's not like anyone remembers preambles. I think we should have one really short. Like, right. um, just for our expectations on it. Okay, I mean, or we're going to be talking... On it. We're going to be talking about the game... And there's going to be spoilers. Consider yourself spoiler warned. So what do you want to talk about first then? Uh, just start with the topic. Sure. Then the Reddit, the favorite Reddit comment one is, sorry, the favorite Reddit question is, is Sekiro a Soulsborne game or not? Can It's a classification problem where can you consider Sekiro to be in the same classification as a Souls or a Bloodborne game? I'm not super interested in like a semantic category discussion about the game i mean i think it's more because i mean okay fine it's from soft and they're known for making souls games at this point even though they have some other games like armored core yeah i don't know Sekiro obviously has more in common with souls games than it does with any other type of game and even any other kinds of from soft games they do change a couple of fundamental stuff and that's probably why people are getting up on it and i guess the argument is were those changes fundamental enough to push it into an entirely different genre yeah i think like you said the semantics of it aren't really interesting because obviously there's differences between the two games but you can't really say like oh because this arbitrary thing is different or this arbitrary thing is similar um I mean, different types of games right let's just look at where it diverges from those games because there's obviously a lot that's similar so like a lot of people always talk about how Dark Souls, let's just talk mechanics first, right? Dark Souls is defined by the stamina bar as a common argument, which is like your fundamental resource for like running, rolling, attacking. blocking, attacking, and it's kind of like the lever on which all of the combat and core gameplay revolves around. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're assuming, I guess, mostly like melee or stamina-based combat. There's obviously magic. Does and- magic not use stamina? Yeah, they don't. Sorceries don't use stamina. Miracles don't use stamina. Pyromancies don't use stamina. Actually, do they in, in uh, Dark Souls 3? I think the most they do is maybe freeze your stamina to use them. But f- for the most part, stamina is mostly tied to the physical side of combat, mm. which is what most people think about when they talk about souls anyway. Like, the magic systems are usually considered more subsidiary, and it's clear that FromSoft kind of considers it kind of the same way, looking at how they dealt with Bloodborne. Mm. Are magic builds easier, by the way? I was wondering. Easier? Well, I mean... Like, they make you... You normally have to channel the spells, right? A lot of the game falls apart with ranged combat because they're... A lot of enemy design is designed to, like... Use actual melee weapons. Deal with you on from a melee range. Like, there's some some enemies that, like, throw stuff at you, some enemies that charge you, but usually, like, you can kind of hit them from further away you for, first off you probably get like first hit advantage and you could probably keep hitting them while backing out it's not as though like you're locked to being stationary when you're using range attacks most of the time mm. so in certain respects it might kind of cheese the game especially for boss encounters where a lot of bosses kind of don't deal at you from range so if let's say you have like lightning spears and there's like this big brood of a fellow that you're trying to kill 
you can kind of like whittle half his health down by using all of your mana or charges of your range spell until they're down to like half health and it's you know comparably very safe because mm -hmm. you you have all of the same like drawbacks of melee combat in which like you know attacks have starting animations ending animations wind-ups animation wind-ups all that stuff but you're at a distance so you know that just gives you more time to react um and in that respect you know kind of trivializes arguably some of the encounters but anyway Sekiro in comparison in the same way that Dark Souls revolves around the stamina bar and most of combat if we're just let's just stick to melee is about managing that stamina bar and attacking only in windows where the enemy is vulnerable and you're not likely to take damage in return and then Sekiro is built around the posture bar which is kind of like the, the replacement of the stamina bar in this game and where like the defensive action you take in souls with stamina is like basically rolling and blocking in this game the posture is all about deflecting attacks and blocking attacks so it's it's almost like built to take up that same niche a lot of people who <clears throat> start Sekiro if they're working off of like a Dark Souls mentality will try to roll and jump out of the way of most attacks and the game actually kind of lets you get away with that for a while so it's kind of like more alarming when suddenly that stops working as effectively and you kind of hit a wall but it's clear that the fundamental core of this game is seems to be built around like attacking and deflecting I mean sorry deflecting and blocking yeah, I mean, honestly, the the reason that people actually bring up the classification thing is because they want to talk about the differences between Souls games and uh, Sekiro, right? Yeah. Like, how are they different? I mean, more, and... more specifically, it seems to be more about, like, how... Because it doesn't match up to what they expect a Souls game to be like, they get kind of annoyed. Right, or I mean, the game's they're, hard. They're dissatisfied with how the game is enmeshing with their expectations. You can't dodge and roll in this game too much like you could before, uh, because, what is it, you got circle for a sidestep, and you have X for a jump. Assuming PS4 controller, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, but they're not really safe in general, so if you just spam that all the time, and you try to whittle them down with health, it'll take a really long time to beat any boss. I mean, for a long time, kind of jumping away from enemies, from enemies is kind of safe, until, like, I would argue, like, Shinobi Hunter. Because that guy can just follow up with, like, a, a giant spear thrust, right? Mm. But... The Souls games also had a lot of tracking, right? For attacks? Uh, yeah. I think Dark Souls 2 in particular is particularly like, infamous for that. Because, mm. like, they'd have a lot of bosses that have, like... You know that move that's, like, always free in this game where, like, they uh, the overall swing down yeah. an attack? You'd have like a lot of clips of like bosses doing that, and then people would roll, and it just like swerve in midair to still hit you. Yeah, and um, I mean, there's was... still a lot of them secure actually. Yeah, but those, I mean, you can usually dodge those moves too to get a free attack in. I, I don't know, like if you um, like you know the Shinobi Hunter. Yeah. He has one move where he kind of charges for like a really long time, and then he does like this running forward thrust attack. Yeah. That move tracks a lot. Yeah, and I think that move is specifically supposed to punish, like, the... If you fail um, what you're supposed to do and just jump backwards, it's supposed to punish that. And, like, a lot of these, like, really long, wide-up moves, it's clear that you're either supposed to perfect parry them or 
um, just not get hit by them at all because like the amount of posture damage they do to you, it's like almost never worth defending in that way. Mm. Like, but you know, people are sometimes people get stubborn about how they want to approach the game. I mean, I think okay, it's also that the defensive options in Secure are really, really strong, right? Like the L one guard, um, or the guarded like button is actually way more powerful than the first appears. Yeah. Uh, like I don't know, like in Dark Souls, if you guarded, um, it uh, you don't recover stamina, right? Or you recover stamina more slowly. I actually don't remember. I, I think it's true. Like, I think you recover stamina more slowly when your guard is up. Yeah, you have to have guard down. Like, your, your stamina recovers the most quickly when you're just doing nothing and just doing a regular walk, right? Mm-hmm. Rolling costs stamina, too. But in Secure, it's the opposite in that... And I don't think even players are mostly going to be aware of this because the information is kind of hidden. That if you're guarding, then your stamina recovers more quickly, right? Yeah, there's a lot of weird hidden mechanics like that they don't really explain. Yeah, but there's also other stuff too where... Um, I remember Dark Souls, if you guard, you take a lot of chip damage. It, it depended on what kind of shield you had. No, no, I'm saying without a shield. Oh, yeah. You take chip damage, right? Yeah. Well, in this game, your guard is almost perfect for like 90% of attacks. There's exceptions for, like, a lot of magic-based attacks and, like, uh, I think one of the headless attacks. Yeah. But it's a perfect guard, like, sword shield. Yeah. And I don't think that's, like, adequately communicated. Like, you can counter anything in this game. Right. He's, like, he's not only a master shinobi. He's, like, this legendary sword warrior that can just guard anything. That's good Pretty much. Like, and I, I think there's an expectation there. And they, having a sword shield. Yeah, I, it, feel, it feels like just because of the way the sword looks and the way Sekiro looks. It's a small sword, too. It looks like if you're blocking, like, huge heavy-winded attacks, you're doing the wrong thing, mm-hmm. just just uh, intuition-wise. Which is probably why a lot of people suffer from Juzo. Because, like, there's a lot of reasons people die at Juzo, but I think that, like, what most people get hit <sighs> by are so his, his quick attacks, like the palm strike... And more specifically, that three-strike combo. No, he has, like, this other attack where um, most of his attacks come from Sekiro's left, right? Sure. If you're facing him. But he has one swipe attack that starts from his right, and it's really fast. Right. It takes, like, two-thirds of your health instantly. Yeah, I know. Isn't that the one that, like, is usually preamble to a two-hit or a three-strike combo? And I think that's the reason why most people die on that fight. And it's because, like, it does a couple things at once, like... First, like, the game only gives you, like, a tooltip for telling you that, uh, sometimes even if you successfully deflect an attack, mm. uh, the enemies will continue to their next attack in that chain anyway. Right. But sometimes it's inconsistent, because sometimes if you perfect parry Juzo's attack, he just kind of staggers back and he doesn't complete the chain. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, you know, it doesn't look like you're supposed to block those attacks, because the other guy is, like, this huge hulk of a man... Who's like swinging with these big exaggerated strikes? I mean, he okay. Well, Juzo's kind of weird in general because he's like a sumo wrestler character, right? He actually has like a lot of posture. Um, yeah. So it's actually really difficult to posture break Juzo. So you're gonna get like a really long extended HP battle with him. I mean, that that's takes a, the tooltip kind of tells you to do that. It's the extent of which. Oh like, really? They, they prime you in that fight. It says like. Uh, some enemies, it's really hard to break their posture, and you just have to whittle th- down their health. How many enemies are there like that, though? Uh, basically him, maybe Chained Ogre. Uh, 
the big boys with the clubs that look like the uh, I mean monks. they don't come up that up often I mean most enemies are posture enemies yeah or there's like it's arguable that you know both both options are viable ways of defeating them because like the game's the game's pretty elegant in that like as you damage them it's easier to posture break them and posture recovers more slowly so no matter what if you're like fighting quote unquote correctly, you're working towards both of those win conditions at the same time. Sure. I think but I think there's a criticism to be made because they're Juzo and the Chained Ogre are kind of the first bosses that you fight in the game. Or the most some of the earlier bosses. They're the most important roadblocks, right? Yeah. yeah. No, they're not the most important roadblocks. I think Gyobu is and Butterfly are two of the first biggest roadblocks. Um, depending on the order that you go in. Well, in terms of, like, I don't know, uh, full health, full screen health bar bosses, yeah. But if you talk about, like, what most people get stuck on on Reddit, it seems like it's Shinobi Hunter and... Oh, right, Shinobi Hunter, too. And, uh... That's really hard. And Juzo. Because... No, Lady Butterfly as well, for sure. I mean, it just seems like the game doesn't really do a good job of setting up your expectation for how you're supposed to confront those fights. Mm. Like, I don't know. I kind of had an issue with, like, the boss order. And then we kind of talked about this a little in the past. Well, right. I mean, okay, not here, so I guess. Um, so we kind of... Because, like, all right, there's, like, certain bosses that seem almost designed to teach you certain mechanics... Like the uh, the guy who looks like Volvo. What's his name? Yeah. It's uh. Long arm centipede Senun. Is that really his name? Yeah. Okay. Well, that guy. Wait. He just. Probably the other one. Long arm centipede giraffe. Regardless, <laughs> Genipede. I can't. Regardless, all, he just has one chain of attacks where he just attacks over and over and over and over again. And in phase two, he has that attack and also a sweep that you're supposed to jump right. That's, like, the most, like, tutorial boss in the whole game, almost. And it's, like... He's also in a small arena. Yeah. And the way, like, you'll just die, like, a couple times. Like, wait, okay, whatever I'm doing is not working. If I just block, he'll overwhelm me. If I try to jump or roll away, that chain is so long that I'll just get hit and die anyway. So it's like, okay, then there's literally only one way I can beat this guy. I have to parry and break down his posture and kill him. So it's like, all right, that fight is so important teaching you that like parrying is like a viable win condition in, a, in an encounter or like one of the most important ones actually yeah and like that would have been such a perfect boss uh to put in your way towards the beginning of the game to just teach you how important uh parrying properly is yeah um but like something like juzo what does juzo really teach you he's just kind of like a he's more generic and he actually like kind of stomps on your face if you're if you're like, because most of the enemies up until that point, you can just kind of like attack multiple times and immediately posture break them, and suddenly you you hit this guy where you can't do that, but you haven't also really been taught other ways of approaching combat. I mean the way I put it is this like, okay let's look at the move sets right, Juzo is hard not only because he has really big moves that posture break, he has two grabs. Yeah. Like, he has a short-range grab, and he has, like, a all-in grab. And because it's one of those grabs where he moves forward a lot, right? Yeah. The all-in dive. 
it um and also of course it one shots you. Yeah. It's it's a grab that has a lot of tracking. Yeah. So you either need to double jump it and you might not even be aware of being able to do that. What do you mean by double jump? Like jump jumping off of his head. Okay, yeah. Or you need to like preemptively be really far away from him. I think even if you sidestep some of his grabs, like he'll still latch onto you. Yeah. So you need to like if you're trying to do the whole posture break, I'm gonna be mega aggressive in his face. Yeah. He'll just punish you, he'll just one shot you. And the Juzo fight's so long, so what you actually need to do is um kind of get a hit in, like go out, go, go, <laughs> you need to hit him, go out of his range, do like a charged R1 attack, and do like some damage, health damage, and then do that over like, I don't know, like 7-15 minutes. Yeah, I mean even like the, the extra help they give you, the optional help with like that NPC, is kind of like teaching you the wrong lesson because it just it makes you almost feel like oh this is like dark souls they're like cheesy options if you're so inclined mm. but the rest of the game really doesn't bear that out and that whole area like shinobi hunter and jews are also kind of annoying because like they're like one of the only bosses in the game also that 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 guy who's right after uh chained over what's his name uh Gen- is that yeah, General this is in order. Kuanasuke Matsumoto. Yeah, he's he's the he's a copy yeah. of the first boss you fight, General Nomori Kawarada. But anyway, <laughs> like, those are like the only three bosses where you have to kind of like clear out waves of like the mooks before you get like a one on one a one on one encounter with them. And yeah, that just kind of like makes it all the worse, especially since like it's priming you for stuff that the rest of the game isn't gonna do it it gets kinder almost as the game goes on yeah like when you get to ganishiro uh the two bosses right before ganishiro have like a save point right outside yeah so you can just go over and over again the ashina elite at um the ashina castle the uh, who's also a really good tutorial boss by the way right because like you just have to like like he does that one quick draw move and it's like i mean he does a couple other stuff but that quick draw move is like the main thing that's going to be killing if, you. If you're, so you're fighting, like, oh this... wow, some enemies have really obvious tells, and I have to be able to counter them. And yeah. also, he has like one move, yeah. pretty much. Like Ashina Elite is so fast, actually. If you're playing it right, counter, 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 death blow, counter, 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 death blows. Is that his only move? I think it, it's it's like you can. He basically spams it. Yeah. Like if you're panicking and jumping around, um, he'll just hit you, double hit you, and like do all of your health, but. He's really simple, actually. Yeah. Uh, like it should only take like twenty seconds to beat him if you're fighting the Ashina Lika properly. Well, I mean, let's not make claims like that. Okay, fine. Like you ideally, ideally. Yeah. <clears throat> ideally, ideally. <laughs> and then you get Ganeshiro right after, and you don't need to f- run past any mooks. You don't need to do anything. You just it's like five seconds to just run to the boss. Yeah. Um. There's no like long-winded like running past a ton of people like they were in Dark Souls and stuff like that. Yeah. It just, it really does feel like those two uh, elite those two enemies particular. Were, yeah. would have been really good tutorial or like early game encounters just because they're so useful for teaching you the game. Yeah, because they also... Um, and they're specifically good at teaching you what's different about this game compared to the earlier Souls games. Yeah, because... Like the pairing part, yeah. They also... Uh, they're also really simple. They have li- really limited movesets, especially the giraffe guy, the gentipede. Yeah. Um, be- because all he does is the the really fast melee attack. Yeah. And he doesn't... And it's clear that you can't attack between the waves of his attacks as well for yeah. HP damage. Yeah. 
So. Just one more note about the MOOCs. You'll probably just edit this in as if we said it, like, immediately after. Right. Is, uh... Like... Like, even areas where you would assume there'd be a lot of enemy interference. In those areas, they just very specifically give you areas where you don't have to worry about them. Like, the area, to me, that strikes me as, like, oh, this elite guy should definitely have backup. Right. Was, like, at the gun fort area, where you fight, uh... Snake, oh, snake, snake guys. guys yeah. Like, Sh- Shirahagi. Um, cause like, all right, this is like literally an area where like, they're like shooting at you from across the map for most of the time you're traversing the area. Mm-hmm. And, but then suddenly very notably, very deliberately when you run the snake eyes, you're in this little alcove where none of the other guys are shooting at you and you yeah. just find one like mono and mono. Yeah. And it's like, all right, they're doing this deliberately now. So why would you go out of your way to not do that in the past? Mm. It almost, it almost feels like they, like, discovered that it was getting too annoying to do that later in the game. But they kept the early areas constant. It's just weird because they actually had such good introductory bosses. Like, what do you mean? The Ashina Elite and the Gentipede are so good for teaching you how to game actually, like, functions. Right. The core mechanics of it. Yeah. Like, the first mini-boss you're probably going to face is General Nomori Kawarda, right? Or General Tenzin Yama, Yamauchi. Um... um you, the first... Oh, no, General Nomura. Yeah, that's Nomori. the guy from the the tutorial tutorial before right. you... And I think he off. even gives you a Gord Seed. Yeah. Wait, does he? No, the first guy? I think the first guy gives you a Gord Seed. No, he... Yeah. The very first guy... He gives you a Gord Seed. The very first guy... No, no, not the one before... Uh, Not the one before you get your arm cut off. Okay. The yeah. one after that. Yeah, he yeah. gives you a Gord Seed unimpairably. Yeah. <laughs> the person before... You get your arm cut off, just gives you a pellet. He's, like, the worst. But yeah. General Nomori Kawarda, the first general-esque um, melee character, gives you a Gord Seed and a Prayer Bead. So it's really... You really want to beat that guy first, right? He has a varied moveset. He has, like, an overarm attack. He has, like, a tri-hit, like, overarm attack. He has, like, a... I think he has a lower sweep as well. Yeah. So he has, like, five different moves. And he has, like, that... He has a stab as ...really well. annoying... Um, Does he have a grab? I think he has a grab. Uh, I think he might have a grab, actually. The only thing, the more, the most prominent thing I remember is his sweep, though. But you can also, but like, even that guy, right? He's bad tutorializing, not just because he's more generic, but because, like, like, some of the stuff that he does, you don't have to, uh, Parry. counter, counter with the right rock, paper, scissors response. Like, his sweep, for most times there's a sweep, you're supposed to jump, right? Yeah. But for him, his sweep is so low range that you kind of just roll backwards if you're far, like, kind of not, like, up in his face, and the sweep will still miss you. I mean, I think that's okay. You, you kind of want a little bit of allowance. I mean, because but, but he's because if, you, if he meant if he's meant to teach you, like, you know, sometimes the attacks are unavoidable and you have to do this, then that's kind of like a bit of an off note. Mm. I don't know. Maybe you're right. I mean, I think the game is better that you don't have to do exactly... Like, yeah, that jump there is every a time there's yeah. a sweep. But, at the same time. And just, like, one last note about Chained Ogre and uh, Juzo, is they actually have the most um, oppressive grabs in the game, I'd argue. Because they have to dash forward grabs. Yeah. Like, really big dash forward grabs. With, like, wide, um, and I guess you call it hitboxes. Where even if you sidestep to the side, they'll grab you. Yeah. But, most of the other grabs don't do that. Where... Okay, Ganeshiro has a grab, right? But yeah. Ganeshiro doesn't move forward that much. He just kind of grabs in front of you. So you don't actually... Uh, so you can actually sidestep that grab or just jump backwards. 
I think he'll get you with the grab if you just jump up towards him. But um, it's not as, I guess, exacting as the other grabs. Yeah. Right? I mean, and I think Ishin has a grab as well, right? Yes. I think Ishin has a grab as well. But I think it's similarly, he doesn't move forward as much. So he doesn't have as much tracking as well. I think a lot of... Yeah. And most I, of the enemies have pretty bad grabs. You're right that those two have particular... Yeah, attacks. and those are the early game bosses. Like, I think the intended order is that you fight Chained Ogre first, right? Um, but Chained Ogre, at that stage in the game, you probably have really low damage. Yeah. Because you can't really get a damage upgrade till you either fight Butterfly or Gilbert, right? Yeah. So it actually just takes an immensely long time to beat him. Like, you can cheese it a bit with uh, Firecrackers or the Flame thing or whatever. What's it called? Flame... Oh, fire vent or something. Fire vent? Flame flare vent? vent? I don't know. So, okay. So you can cheese it a bit with the flame vent a bit, but, uh, like, if you run out of charges, you're probably just going to, like, you could cheese it a bit with the flame vent, but even then, like, you still have to get through a lot of health bar. And yeah. also, these are also not really posture bosses. Yeah. I think we're running into an issue where... We're... I know podcasts run away the risk of, uh, hilariously enough going too long yeah if you don't like be more like focus rigid and like moving from topic to topic yeah we're kind of belaboring this a little too much you want to just jump to a different topic um let's just very briefly then there's like the whole thing with because we're talking about combat right now and bosses mikiri counters where like that's like another aspect where like i don't know i think it's pretty simple really like players are scared of like the big red moves so it's really hard to get them to jump when they see like this big warning sign Mm. I mean to like dodge towards the direction of the step and if you're always like run, trying to like dodge every attack then you're not going to be really paying attention to what they're doing so much which is another reason why that like pe- people probably have so much trouble with Shinobi Hunter Shinobi Hunter also has like a multi-hit move which is really difficult to parry against I mean and you definitely can't dodge it because that's, that's the point of multi-hit moves kind of in this game where if you just try to dodge them you'll just get punished yeah, and the thing about the multi-hit move that he does is it also, if you don't perfect parry every hit of it, it's probably going to break your posture. Yeah. So, and then you'll die. And it's just, yeah. And just one last thing about, I don't know, I guess we're just talking about the early game at this point. Yeah. Uh, the early game is a lot more oppressive than the late game, is why we're talking about so much. I guess we should have started off with that, actually. Like, that's kind of what our argument is. It's that the early game is really difficult. Also, I mean, I guess the thesis would be early game is more difficult than the rest of the game. And maybe one of the reasons for that is that the game does a poor job of priming players for... And you're teaching a lot of separate things at once. The grab teaches you not to parry. um, And it teaches you to do a a lot of HP. Grabs and sweeps. Grabs and sweeps teach you not to be too... No, no. I say specifically grabs. Teach you not to be too close to the enemy. Because well, you can yeah, jump yeah. a sweep. Um, In terms of... I, I, you said the moves that you don't have to parry. That's why. Oh, I see. Um, yeah. And you don't have limited gore charges, you know, as well. Yeah. So you don't really... And also a lot of moves just one-shot you. Particularly Jesus grabs. So, yeah. You know. And you also have to fight a lot of minions before fighting the big bosses, right? Or yeah. the mini bosses. But we, yeah, we already talked about this. Okay. I think, you know, the elements are there. Let's just move on. Okay. Um. Should we just wax about what we enjoyed about the game for a while first? Yeah, sure. So, 
overall, I actually, I like, I, I don't know. I think my experience with this game was, in the beginning, I was kind of like really iffy on it. I was like, eh, I'm not sure if I like this very much. And then as I kind of like, as it clicked about how, like, the pairing and posture system worked, I started to like absolutely love the game because it felt great, like, having the feeling of like, I'm playing perfectly. Like, I'm running circles around this enemy because I, I know exactly what he's going to do and I'm countering it perfectly. And I get to see these pretty flashes and everything's like pretty quick and fast. So you get like a pretty visceral, like, feedback feeling. Yeah, you and the animations really are fast. slick. So, like, <laughs> it feels good when you, like, do, like, every time you break a boss's posture or an enemy's posture. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that core gameplay really was, like, probably one of the only things I actually really unambiguously liked about this game. But I liked it so much that it carried the whole experience for me. Yeah. We'll probably talk about, like, the story, the, the world, and, like, the mood of the game, like, at other parts, but really like the combat felt so good. Yeah, they to really me that, nailed like, it. They really nailed it. I, I it's just like Alice is like, oh my god. I just I just found pleasure doing the core gameplay loop of fighting over Yeah, I mean aside again. from the grabby bosses, uh, but those are like kind of in the beginning of the game, right? Yeah. And then you get Madame Butterfly. And then you get Kanisha, which are like awesome boss battles. Because yeah. like, I thought like, you know, I lo- I usually love the environments of Souls Souls games. So I thought like you know, if they're giving you a much more mobile character, I'd be really enamored with like traversing the world, finding secrets and stuff. But really, eh, it didn't really bear out that way. Like the main reason I liked this game was combat. It was that simple. But I liked it so much that like the game, I walked away from the game feeling very fondly towards it. I mean, it's not only the combat, right? It's the combat and the challenge that came with it. Yeah, yeah. Like they they have to be in line together. Yeah, it felt good because it felt rewarding. And it felt rewarding because, you know, it was it was difficult. It was a challenge that felt worth surmounting. Yeah, I don't know really say that. And uh, yeah, there was a there was someone that made a post saying that they said Sekiro is the best Star Wars game because it feels like you're in an lightsaber? epic lightsaber duel. That's yeah. a good point. I like that. Like a really like you're you're constantly deflecting each other. You're constantly. Sorry, you're constantly deflecting each other. And it's clear that the combat in the game is totally designed around the sword, right? Yeah. The prosthetics aren't important. The prosthetics are kind of subsidiary in the same way that, you know, magic is kind of subsidiary in the Souls games. But it's so much less than before because it's so much more punishing to, to use the prosthetics because they're in limited charges and you need to pay to replenish at stores and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, the charges was... Uh... Like, mana, the spells in Dark Souls always replenish, right? Every time you fires. died. Yeah. Yeah, but not in this game. So, I would say that the prosthetics are like a limited amount of quote-unquote cheese for a boss. I think Chained Ogre is a lot easier if you use like the firecrackers because you get yeah. like four free hits. Or the, uh, or Gilbo in particular. Like the oh, horse yeah. freaks out or something. So you get like four or five free hits in. But if you keep messing up, you're going to have none of those yeah. left. And it, you don't want to farm. You run out of time. your cheese, which is kind of odd. Yeah. So yeah. it's... Like, I mean, the death mechanic where you just lose half your EXP and money was kind of weird, too. Like, yeah, but but anyway, let's let's talk about more about what was good about it. Oh, I mean, I think that was all for me, actually. Just the combat. Just the combat? Yeah. I wasn't, like, enamored with the setting. Um, there were parts of the game that looked pretty. I just liked the, the maple-y monk area. The monk area was really um, visually appealing. I guess enemy design-wise... I mean, there are cool moments, too. I like the aesthetics of 
like some of the enemies. I like the way they they did Ishin and his animations. They nailed the combat animations. I'll give them that. But I think it was just the combat for me. But I really liked the combat. No, but there were there were moments in the game that were pretty cool too. Though, like remember when you went into the monk temple, and then uh, there aren't like. You sneak into the temple, essentially. Oh, you mean with the cockroaches? Yeah, so there's, like, a lot of cockroaches spawning. And then I'm just like, oh, these monks are have a really dirty temple, don't they? And at the end, there's... Um, the immortal guy is spitting out cockroaches. Yeah, all along. And then he, as yeah. soon as you kill him, he respawns. That was awesome. That was a cool moment. Yeah. It definitely was. That's also a weird moment, because they're, like... Apparently, they're centipede people, but why are they spitting out cockroaches? I don't know. I think it's, like, a... I don't know too much about Sengoku era or Japanese mythology. Uh, like they didn't make up their lore for this one, right? Like they, they're kind of all taking a spin on established lore. No, it's kind of like it's not exactly Japanese lore. They did kind of do their own riffs and stuff. Oh really? Yeah. Are centipedes and cockroaches a thing? I mean, centipedes is like centipede being like, it's like a Shinto thing. Centipedes are symbolic of like. Dirtiness, impurity, that kind of thing. Corruption. Why? They are? Yeah. Corruption? Yeah. Like are Shinto they poisonous? Shintoism is, there's like a lot of water imagery and like cleansing. Like there's a lot of cleansing in water, running water, like flow, mm. all that stuff. And the opposite of that is like, you know, stagnation, like pools of fetid water. Oh, gross. And centipedes are like one of the symbols of like corruption and dirtiness. Oh, I didn't know that. There's like a lot of cleanliness metaphors in Shintoism, I think. Which is, you know, I guess a pretty good meme if you want, like, a society that's less prone to be diseased. But that we're getting besides the point. Did you like how you can kind of approach the levels a little more flexibly this time around? Like, yeah, you could it's, sneak, it's not a big stealth. It's not a big plus for me. I mean, the stealth was useful insofar as, like, I don't want to fight the guy I care about with more mooks around. So it's cool that I can eliminate more of the mooks before I have to fight that encounter. But I didn't care for any of the move combat to begin with so it was just getting in the way of the part i wanted mm. so it's like you know i, I don't know it would have been cooler if like games took a more of like a shadow of the colossus approach or mm. like you know get rid of the the bullshit that you don't really care about and leave the good parts like i think this game might have been better without the mooks and if most enemies were like the uh what i don't even know what to call them you know the health posture circles uh is there a name for those I don't know. So, uh, let's just call them elites. Like, if all enemies were elites in this game, I think I would have preferred that almost. I mean, it wouldn't make sense for a lot of reasons. I don't know about that, actually. Um, I disagree, because you kind of want pacing. If you only have bosses in your game, right, and let's say, like, every... Like, I'm oversimplifying, but if you just made, like, a straight corridor of rooms and all of, inside each of them is just a mini-boss, it's more like... Uh... Or even if you let it branch and stuff, it really harms the pacing of it. I think it really helps to have the mooks after beating, like, a boss in, like, the exploration areas. Because it gives you, like, a sense of build-up, too. Yeah, I mean, I'm not married to the idea. <laughs> I think there's a version of it that would make it more feasible. Because, like, like, you know, the first elite-ish boss you fight is kind of like a mook anyway. Maybe it's so there's, like, an A-side and a B-side. You know? Like, the A side is, like, the hard bosses, and the B side are, like, more tutorial bosses. And it branches. Yeah. I don't know. Like, that's kind of how it is in the game as well. Like, but, you can fight Gyobu, or you can fight Butterfly. 
I mean, okay, I mean, I guess the more generic point is that the game doesn't really shine when there's multiple enemies at the same time. It really shines when there's just, like, one-on-one -on -one combat. Yeah, I so mean, you... even though they put the grapple mechanic in the game, like, every boss is in a flat arena, right? Stealth is kind of, like, an option to make encounters easier if you want to. Cause Only like, for mini-bosses. Yeah, because you could just backstab them to get rid of, like, half the fight, which is use very useful. And I think that's an important, you know, difficulty-altering tool that they included. Yeah. But... Alright, I want to talk about this one aspect of difficulty. Okay. Uh, I think the game's really hard. Okay. I think the game's just generally really difficult because... What do you think makes it difficult? Well, you need really fast reaction times, right? Like, if you're fighting um, Juzo, like, he does, like, really fast swipes and stuff, right? So it makes it really intense as well, because you always need to be reacting to the opponent's next move. Do you think it's more on the reacting side or the anticipating side? I think you're only reacting until you're anticipating. It's difficult for a lot of reasons. One is that you need to kind of react quickly to whatever's happening on the screen in terms of how the enemy attacks. And it's also difficult because they use the same learning system they've used in all of their games, which is if you die, you don't get to learn... Um, the boss until you do all the preceding steps all over again like if you want to fight and learn juzo right you first need to learn how to clear out the waves of enemies in an efficient way and you're not allowed to learn the new thing until you do the old thing really well okay i mean let's say that's a structural difficulty thing but how about the what about the combat in and of itself Are you i mean about, you die really fast you're saying that there's low tolerances in terms of like if you make a mistake it's, it's super costly because when you take damage you know? Yeah, you you get you die really fast in this game. Like, like, what happens when you take damage? You have to heal. Sure. Wait, what do you mean? Like, but you there, take you damage, know, you, you stagger. Get, you also get, quote-unquote, worse at fighting, right? Because your posture recovers slower. You... Oh, yeah, there is. That isn't there. Which like, is, like, huge, actually. Cause, and if your posture recovers slower, then it's more likely to break. Whenever your posture breaks, if you're unlucky, you're definitely taking more damage and you just die. Yeah, and also, if you take a hit, you, you take a lot of damage. Yeah. Oh. Like, taking a hit is real bad, but they also give you a lot of ways to avoid taking hits. I don't know. I mean, normally taking a hit is is made better by, or alleviated by, like, drinking a gore charge. Yeah. But they don't give you gore charges until a lot later. So they let you make more mistakes later in the game rather than earlier. I mean, it's really weird. I agree that the, uh, I guess the reacting part is hard because it's very low tolerance and stuff, but... I'd argue that you're just kind of reacting until you start to anticipate their attacks. You know what I mean? Like, once you know what what uh, Gyobo, not Gyobo, uh, Juzo is capable of, then it's like, oh, he's starting to do that move, and I already know what I'm going to be doing in response to it. I mean, there is that, but it takes so long to get there again. Yeah. Like, it slows the rate at which you learn. I mean, this is only about the early game, obviously. I mean, if we're talking on the reflex side, that just goes in line with what a lot of people say about the game, and that, like, they call it a rhythm game, right? Wait, wait, yeah. but before we get into that, um, if we're talking about the learning as well, right, not just Juzo, like, let's talk about Ganesha, right? Ganesha has two phases to the boss. Yeah, and the uh, two Ganesha phases one. are entirely distinct. Yeah, because you got you get the first Ganusha where he just uh kind of fights the same way. Is it for one phase or two phases? Two two health two. bars. But most bosses don't have entirely different moves between phases. It's just like like Genichiro in this the second phase. Mm. Um, the final boss, which is it's more acceptable because it's the final boss. Sure. Um, is there anyone else? 
who has like entirely distinct move sets across phases. Does corrupted monk do something different? Uh, not corrupted monk, but the the other monk that you fight on the. Oh, the second monk after yeah. you get into the fountainhead palace. Yeah, but like that boss is so. Those two monks are really weird too, because corrupted monk is basically like the phase three of of that that monkey fight after him mm. but except without that like haze move right okay but and i guess and like so like the the monkey fight after is actually the easier um except for that one move which is also kind of easy to get away with yeah it's a lot more cheesable so like, i guess lady I, butterfly is also variations of the same move yeah, I mean, I guess Butterfly has... Um, Butterfly seems a lot more fair. Yeah, Butterfly is more like the ideal, right? Not entirely different moveset, but... Yeah, like but it's evolution. like a variation of the so move. So like, even if you're doing the earlier phase, you're still learning how to deal with the second phase. I don't even remember if Gilbo is a different moveset. I don't think he really does. No. I think he just does the same thing. Yeah. Ganesha is a little different. So I mean, like, it's not really a huge problem fair. with the game, I don't think. I mean, not, not a huge problem, but... Yeah, I guess so. Like, it's much more... Dark Souls bosses in general, actually the most recent game, Dark Souls Three. I mean, it's not the most recent game. Three did have like this whole thing where they they like transition to a second phase a lot, mm. where they'd be almost completely different. I wasn't oh, really? too, I wasn't really too big a fan of that. Not completely different, but like definitely different. I see. But yeah, what were you? I was just talking about how it was gonna be like a rhythm game, right? That's like a common complaint. Oh sure. Yeah, but like. This is like semantic territory. I mean, it's not a common complaint. I just saw someone mention it. Yeah. I saw it like at least five times. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I mean, it's like... Because you're only pressing L1 for the parries, right? It's a meme, right? But like... Sure, it's a rhythm game in the sense that like it requires you to do specific inputs with like pretty low tolerance. I mean, it's also the same button. But I like, think that's why people say it. Yeah, but like... Can you say the same about like a platformer? Is a platformer a rhythm game now? Is a... It just... I don't know. I mean, okay, to take the platformer argument, let's say you got, like, an infinite runner game like Cantabalt, right? Yeah. Like, couldn't that be... I mean, I guess it seems a lot more... Like, imagine this, then, right? Like, for the sake of argument, you don't actually need to move around that much in secure boss fights, right? Sure. Like, honestly, you can get through all pretty much most fights with R1, L1, and jump. Right? You don't really, really even need to dodge that much. Yeah. Because even for, like, the grab moves, you could just jump off their heads... Uh, with the second jump, right? Yeah. So imagine, like, it's it might seem a little mean, but couldn't secure be a mobile game? Tap for guard. Uh, tap left screen for guard, right side of the screen for attack, and then I don't know, like swipe up for a jump. I guess like, so. Like, couldn't you do that for most of the bosses? I don't mean to oversimplify the game, but uh, it's 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 a fair reading of the game, I think. It sounds kind of fun, actually. Yeah, I mean, it, it does sound really fun. Like, imagine fighting. <laughs> Ishin <laughs> on mobile, yeah. but uh, the core mechanics of the game don't necessitate a lot of the movement. It just allows you to kind of take a break, I guess, and read his attacks more. Get some space, yeah. Yeah, because you fight most of the bosses, like I said, in in fly arenas. Yeah. It doesn't. You don't use the grapple that much. Yeah, because you know the grapple kind of show a lot of the seams. And yeah, attacks have overused. like if attacks have high tracking, it kind of makes mobility less important. Yeah. Because if they're going to track you anyway, then what's the point of being, like, here versus there, right? Mm -hmm. If it's going to hit you anyway. So then, if you have to parry it, that's an input, a button input, so. Okay. I mean, is there anything else in regards to, I guess, mechanics? 
Um, let me think. So there's we we discussed the parrying and the blocking. Parrying, kind of blocking, dodging, dodging and jumping is obviously meant to be like. Oh, yeah, they're way worse in this game. They're like they're not. They're they're fundamental, but they're also not like. They're not core options. They're like. I don't know, subsidiary options, kind of? <laughs> I thought it was really fun that the posture mechanics are consistent for the player and the enemy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like if, if you're at yellow, if it heals back faster. Yeah, you it's get three to orange, tiers. it's slower than no, there's, red. I think it's, uh, what is it, white? There's no white. No, no, there's like blank, yellow, and red. There's orange, too. Is there orange? Yeah. Is it blank, orange, red? Or is blank, it yellow, yellow orange, orange, red? red. Yellow, oh, there's orange, three red. tiers, anyway. I don't think there's blank. It's yellow, orange, red. Yeah. Fine, fine. There's three tiers, right? And then um, the enemies and you follow the same rules. You actually just recover posture more slowly. Yeah. Actually, even the resurrect mechanic, you know how you get to resurrect after you die? You could argue that like the phases, like little posture circles of the bosses. Like Yeah, it's like the same thing. It's, it's almost like the bosses have a resurrect mechanic as well. It's yeah. kind of funny. It's true. But, um, well, sorry, what were you saying? No, I was just wondering if there were any other mechanics stuff that we didn't really cover. I don't uh, think it's really, you know, interesting to go too much into prosthetics. We talked about it a little bit. So prosthetics aren't that important to the game, right? I mean, let's not go that far. I think some other people might... I think you're just discouraged from using prosthetics because it doesn't replenish when you die. Yeah. I would have used prosthetics way more if I got it back when I died. I would have used it a lot more if they didn't raise the price of the freaking things as the game went on. The, what are they I called? I don't understand why they did that. Oh, yeah, it cost 10 in the beginning and 50 at like, the end. Like, the upgraded forms of the prosthetics weapons already cost more, usually, of the things at a time. The spirit emblems? Uh, it depends. The Lady Butterfly one costs two, but I think most of them will cap at three. Yeah, but like, I, w I really disagree with raising the price of the spirit emblems as the game goes on. <laughs> it felt really... Yeah, I, I thought that was kind of dumb. But anyway, um... <laughs> just uh, as a side note, this is like just color. I, I thought it'd be really cool if there was like a boss at some point where like they're just like shrouded with like the spirit emblems. And then they like, just send it out at you and like it creates like a giant spear or something. Oh. Uh, that kind of thing. <laughs> like the prosthetic weapon boss kind of thing. That would be cool. But anyway. Um, oh yeah, I guess one thing about the mechanics then is uh, no build flexibility. Oh, yeah. yeah. I guess, like, the prosthetics kind of lead into that, right? Sekiro, Sekiro. You can't have tank hero. You can't have mage hero. You can't have prosthetic hero. He's just he's just him. Sekiro. <laughs> like, you're not going to have, like, all right, I want to try playing this game again and spec heavy into, uh, I don't know. I don't think the game really achieved its goal of having interesting areas to incorporate verticality very well. Okay. Except in the... Uh, Ashina Castle. That was pretty cool. Ashina Castle was really cool. Yeah. That was a, clearly the the coolest area in the game. Verticality-wise. Oh, man. Jumping on top of the rooftops and the kite guy that hits you. <laughs> yeah, everyone likes the kite guy. They should have more moments like that. That was a very Souls moment. Like, yeah, it was a really Souls. They don't really have that too much. The game is a lot more fair, I guess, yeah. is where I'd put it. Yeah. There's less flourishes. And the gun fort feels very really Soulsy. And they're just, like, shooting you constantly. Yeah, the gun fort was, uh... It was, it was you can thing. get shot on the way to Snake Eyes. For yeah. that boss fight. But not at Snake Eyes. No, no. But, you know, like... It, it's like, if you're struggling with Snake Eyes... Because I think she's pretty hard, actually. Like, they did a pretty good job in the beginning of the game of, like... 
setting things up so you have to kind of fight to proceed. Mm. Like with like the fog gates, with even some of the elites and stuff. Like Shinobi Hunter, you can't just run past him because there's like a fog gate. Yeah. Away. But later in the game, they just kind of let you run past everything and don't really give you an incentive to not do so. Because by that point, you also understand that most of the drops are going to be terrible unless it's like an elite. Right. And the rewards for killing things is kind of dumb if you're going to die anyway and lose all the money, which is basically... Money and XP are basically all you get for fighting mooks. Because all the, all, the, all the items you're going to get from them, are, they suck. So <laughs> it's like, all right, then if there's no de-incentive for running past them and you're not like gaining things by having to fight, then why would I fight a lot of these things? Yeah. And they make enemies like less fun to fight as the game goes on almost with like the uh after the invasion you mean? Yeah, cuz like uh you get a lot of purple ninja people. Like the forbidden, I mean the forbidden palace, the fountainhead palace area in particular is it's obvious that you don't want to fight those noble guys cuz that whole enfeeble mechanic just is it's like, oh, all right, I guess stealth. They can't even revive. Game. They just they just yeah. totally instantly kill you. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> area is so so weird yeah it feels like you should be able to grapple on the roofs like when you first get into the place but they don't let you arbitrarily well they do in the beginning i mean i thought like okay you know how like they strike you with the lightning when you're on the water yeah they could have just contextualized it so you can still grapple on the roofs but you won't because lightning keeps hitting you up there oh you know what i mean yeah that would have made a lot more sense and it's like all right i'm not gonna go on the roofs i don't want to you know it was kind of a letdown when you finally went to found a guy who shoots lightning at you, and he just, like, dies instantly. Oh, yeah, he's really easy to yeah, beat. Yeah, you just had to get really close to him. Yeah. I don't know. That was a... Uh, I mean, that was a really weird area. I mean, okay, if we're talking about, like, the feel of the game in general, I think everything up until Genshiro I actually liked quite a bit in terms of pacing. And I felt like everything after Genshiro... The game um, gets a lot easier after that. I think. Also, it's a lot worse, I think. The game opens up, quote-unquote, but it becomes a different game almost entirely, actually. Like, what area what area held a candle to uh, Ashina Castle? Like, nothing. Also, it felt like... I mean, I don't know. We're gonna... We're kinda jumping from topic to topic. Let me... Let's talk about one thing first. Um, which is... I want to talk about the beginning of the game again a little bit. Again. Yeah, so... So you know all the comments about build flexibility, all the comments about like, I feel like the developers kind of want you to play the game that they want you to play it. Like their way. Yeah, and and everything like that, right? Yeah. Um, and like the punishing nature, the difficulty. So one comment that the uh, Miyazaki made in the past was he likes having um, only one difficulty setting, even if it is a kind of an uncompromising one. Yeah. Because when you talk about the game, you kind of have, like, this kind of collective experience with the game. Right. Like, you, you can both kind of understand the same struggles you went through, right? Yeah. And I actually also think that that's much more applicable for the beginning of the game up until Genshira. Okay. Um, it's true that the game opens up as soon as you beat Gyobu, right? Yeah. Like, you can theoretically, at, like, fight Corrupted Monk right after Gyobu. <laughs> Yeah. Because you could just go, like, snake right into the underground area. Yeah. But there's the least amount of build flexibility at the beginning of the game. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of do have that kind of philosophy. I mean, there's there's still less build flexibility after that, too. The, the issue of differing experiences is certain bosses are more trivialized or made easier, depending on the order you fight them, because 
only killing bosses gives me more damage, and having a damage up on certain bosses makes them way easier. Right, but it's like the fight against like um, like Ashina Seven Spears, right? He's yeah. uh like another boss that is like kind of famous for being a little difficult. I think fighting him is a lot different. Um, whether or not you've beaten Genshiro or not, because if you beat Genshiro, you get another damage upgrade. Right. You know, and it's like the exp- it's a little thing, but I think after that point, it it diverges a lot more. Like, what if you beat the, the stupid monkey boss in the monk area before you fought Genshiro as well? You just have, like, a free damage up, essentially. Yeah, yeah. But if you're fighting Genshiro, it's... But I think most people fight Genshiro first, before doing all the other content. Yeah. Yeah, because you're in the castle area, so you want to beat the castle area first. Right, before moving on. Yeah. Anyway, um, that, that's pretty much it. I, I think that it's... The content is... Sorry. The experience is much more unified up until that point. So I think if you talk about the Lady Butterfly fight, you're kind of on the same page. Yeah. Like, you fought Corrupted Monk really early. Yeah, right after Genshiro. Yeah. But, and yeah, that, I mean, made, that made him a lot harder. Yeah, and Orin of the Water, you fought her really early too. I mean, that was probably, like... But it was also the most educational part of the game for me because I actually had to, like, learn how it worked to beat those encounters. Yeah, but you would have had a lot more damage if, if you did the stupid... What was it? The monkeys? Folding monkeys. <laughs> Folding monkeys boss. Yeah. Who give damage because they're shinobis, apparently. I'm surprised so many people liked that boss. Folding screen? Yeah. I don't know if people actually liked that boss. Some people were like, wow, this is one of their best gimmick bosses. And I was... It, it, it didn't really seem like a good boss in any sense. I don't know. But anyway... <laughs> I guess it's because it's a different skill set. You're not really running up up against a wall about uh, of like whether or not you can beat the boss in its entirety. I think even if you die, you save progress on the monkeys. By the way, yeah, yeah, what? as you go through it. That's so. I don't uh, think it's an all or nothing thing. I don't know. I, that I, boss would have more. You know how like they start throwing phantom monkeys at you? Yeah. Like it, I felt like it would have been much more like claustrophobic and crazy if like they started throwing like way more phantom monkeys at you over time like at an accelerated rate then it'd be kind of like intense you know i mean it's it'd be so annoying though they already like established like no because then in like the even moving around the area effectively would come into play at once for once you know like running away from them and stuff uh i mean i suppose but anyway i guess it's pretty comprehensive in terms of mechanics yeah I mean, we're not, like, going boss by boss or anything. Yeah. Um, you want some Miyazaki trivia? Sure. Do you already know all of it? I, I like, looked up quotes, so... Do you know his origin story? Uh, he emerged out of a cocoon that was festooned in a, a gourd <laughs> that hung over a waterfall. <laughs> his uh, first words were, too easy. <laughs> He's a, he was pretty weird, actually. Uh, he, I, I think you already knew this, but, um, he grew up really poor, apparently. Okay. Um, and his office worker parents couldn't afford books or manga. Is it manga? Whatever. Who cares? And he had to borrow whatever he could find in the library, right? But, um, because the reading, the selection at the library is limited, he ended up having to read things that were beyond his skill level. Okay. Like, so it wasn't just that he enjoyed reading things that were mysterious. It was just that that was all he had to read. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the inspiration for... Um, it almost seems like... Ap- not apocryphal, but... It sounds... 
It sounds like someone wrote his life story to yeah. mirror the Dark Souls experience. I know, right? <laughs> like, push yourselves beyond and, like, have that sense of wonder. And that's kind of, like, what the games themselves kind of reflect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he actually got... Um, so Japanese work culture is a lot different. I can't really speak really conclusively on that either, right? Yeah. But he actually graduated from college. And I think what normally happens is you kind of... Yeah, you normally go into a, a company as a graduate and stay for life, right? Yeah. But he, he quit that. And he took a giant pay cut to join from software. Mm. Like, he actually made that sacrifice. Yeah. Like, he had a cushy job. Like, he didn't actually need to try anymore. He could have just, like... Um, he was clearly competent enough to, you know, make Dark Souls and Demon Souls. He probably just could have, st- like, coasted. I mean, it's a totally different topic, but, like, yeah, yeah. entrepreneurship and stuff is also kind of weird in Japan. But regardless of it. Yeah. And I didn't know that um, Demon Souls was regarded very negatively at the beginning. Really? Yeah, look. Um, so the game was probably going to be a failure to begin with, apparently. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't doing well, the project had problems, and the team had been unable to create a compelling prototype. Okay. Um, but he saw that it was a fantasy action role-playing game, so he got really excited. Yeah. So he, is, he was like, I want this project even if you think it's going to fail. Yeah. Like, I want make me the head. Yeah. And he basically changed everything about the game, and Demon Souls launched, quote, in Japan without fanfare. It had a disastrous reception at the Tokyo Game Show. Uh, most players didn't even make it past the character creation screen. Is the character creation screen of that game really weird? Not really. It's like, it's like a typical one, right? I mean, it's pretty typical of Souls at this point. I mean, it doesn't have, I guess, like, crispy visuals. Yeah. Um, it's not the prettiest, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then, like, it sold 20k copies in the week of release. And then it just started to, like, really spread. Yeah. Because, like, there's something about the game that was really magnetic. Yeah. Yeah. That really resonated. And then uh, he released a sequel, and that sold even like way more than uh, Demon Souls, mm. which is I thought kind of interesting. It's cool that it feels like only in Japan do we have like these game designers who are kind of uh, lauded as like detect- directorial figures. In oh, yeah, he's like an auteur, is what yeah. it's called. Is like, that you, the you see it with film, but like with games, it only it seems like a very Japanese only phenomenon for now. But outside of indie games, obviously, indie games, you know, you get like your Phil Fishes, your Edmonds, your uh, the guy who the made Braid guy. <laughs> Who's the Braid guy? What's his name? Jonathan Blow. Jonathan Blow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, oh, there's also the other guy, uh, the person who made Metal Gear Solid. Kojima. Yeah. Yeah, Kojima is also one of them. Was there anything else specific you want to talk about? Um. Hmm. Okay. That's a pretty important one. Which one? Um. This game is entirely like a solo experience. Oh yeah, it is. There's it's no more it. of the multiplayer cooperative elements. No more leaving messages for other players. No more summoning other players as phantoms or as hostile enemies or as something in between. Uh, a lot, like almost every, pretty much every encounter besides the Juzo fight, you're not even gonna have friendly NPCs helping you out in any of the fights should you need them. It's like an entirely solitary single player experience. I mean, there's the, uh, the ninjutsu, um... Oh, that lets you, uh, convert yeah. someone to an ally. Yeah, yeah and, and they I think do, there's, like, one boss where... They do boss place where some enemies it. in some some of those late-game encounters to, like, specifically, it feels like, so you can mind-control them. Yeah. 
yeah, okay. But it's norm- yeah. most of the time it's gonna be one on one duels, right? Mana mana. Yeah. The what else is there? I think um, there's also a conversation I want to have about like difficulty and accessibility. Okay. I think they're kind of in opposition to each other. I think if you make the more difficult you make your game, the less accessible it is. What about that topic in particular? I feel like we can't really, you know, tease it out that much uh, past that. There's like a, I think the difficulty is really important to this game because it, I think it really validates your achievements. Sure. Right. But it's I think like a there's a of lot honor. of people that are going to just be left behind and never finish the game. Yeah. And we'll just like, because the beginning of the area, like the beginning of the game, we've We've already, like, talked about it to death, but it's really... Uh, it's punishing for a lot of reasons. You need to have a lot of patience for it, and you need to ha- have a lot of time for it. And it's entirely possible, I think, to play this game for three hours at the beginning and not make any uh, demonstrable progress. Yeah. Because it's a skill-based game. I mean, a lot of people talk about that, where they get stuck for, like, a whole day, and then they come back to it later and they beat it. Right. Or they don't. I guess right. it's the part where no one would tell that story. Mm-hmm. And the reason I talk about accessibility and when I'm talking about Sekiro, right? Because it seems kind of silly to talk about it, like, for a game series that's pretty much known for its difficulty. Yeah. Is that I don't think that the old games were as difficult. So you know how I was talking to you about whether or not you can classify Sekiro as a Soulsborne game? Yeah. I think that's one of the fundamental things that changed. The difficulty used to have allowance in the sense that um, you could kind of Farm your way through. Call yeah, for there was help. farming. You could farm to get stronger. Like you can't get stats in this game by farming. Yeah. You have to beat the boss to get a prayer bead, uh, unless you find like a prayer bead randomly. But you can never get damage. They lock. They lock getting stronger behind, uh, you know, competence or not competence, su- success. Yeah. So I think this is like the least inclusive game that they released. Is the way I put it. It feels designed to be, yeah intentionally less inclusive like i think that um in terms of letting you beat the game even if you're not mega good at the older games right it would be calling for phantoms i think that's like the biggest benefit you can get in that i think you know more about this than i would but isn't it possible that the phantoms could just straight up beat the boss for you yeah yeah and you can't you can't do that most of the time like the phantoms you summon can be the boss on their own. Right. Because the they're, the they're probably like, overleveled, right? Or or at least progress beyond that boss. Sure. Or, and like, it's just, the name of the game is like almost, if you are the phantom, you're just trying to make sure your, your dumbass host doesn't kill himself because then <laughs> the encounter, you don't get any rewards for the encounter. Yeah. Are these significant rewards? It's like you get all of the boss CXP again. Which is pretty huge. Oh, so, like, shit. if you, like, you know, after you beat the boss, if you stick around and do a couple of white phantom runs, you could generally, like, level two or three more times. Can you only become a phantom after you've beaten the boss? No, you could do it before, too. You but, can actually do it before? But Yeah, some people will probably do it to learn the boss, but I always... I never did any multiplayer in Souls games until after I beat the boss on my own. How about, um... Uh, can, how many phantoms can you have? Like, three, I think. Three? Or two. Was okay. it two? Might be two. No, I think it's well, more than one at the very least, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they took that out. So uh, it legitimizes. So I guess like the bands of allowance got like narrowed 
So you have to be. You have to at least, like, there's less there's less, less allowance less, because there's less room for you being helped out or you making the inherent challenge easier. Yeah, like, you can just get stuck on a wall on a boss and. Maybe the tool they thought they were putting in to like circumvent that was that you control the boss order at at a certain point in the game. Mm. So like you know if you're having too much trouble with this boss, I'll just go along this area and beat the boss there. So right. I'll have a damage up by the time I get to that other one. Mm-hmm. But you know that's only that's generally. I mean even in the beginning of the game, they you switch between Hirata Estate and Ashina Castle. So maybe they were anticipating that, but switching between those two don't really give you. Dividends until you beat one boss or the other, mm. in terms of changing the experience of it as a whole. Yeah. I mean, do you think the EXP system was enough so you could like farm your way through an encounter? I think you can uh, very sustainably farm, and I think some of the level up benefits are actually really big. Like the health being yeah, more the, better. Yeah, there's one that one. makes your uh, gourd your health Estus. Estus. <laughs> uh, heal more, right? And I think some of those upgrades are the most significant in the game. Yeah. But um, you can't increase stats, so. And also, some of the upgrades just don't really help you. Like you can level up Mikiri Calendar when you get to Lady Butterfly, but she doesn't have any stab attacks, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, that's true. Is there anything else? I mean, okay, we could talk about exploration as well if you wanted to. Oh, going around. Yeah. Did you like exploring in the game? No, I mean, I mean the experience. Of we get, I don't even want to really get into it. The, oh really? The, I could just leave it at experience. I mean, the the experience of exploring, uh, rapidly felt entirely meaningless outside of the context of the Hirata State memory, because the Hirata State memory was the only area in which there were tangible, actually really useful rewards for exploring. Like what? Hirata State, you get the axe. Oh. You, you get the, uh, you get the fu- the flame vent. You can even get, like, uh, the feather if you find that secret area, right? Oh, the mystery But outside thing? of Hirata State... Oh, and the fish are there, too. Yeah, the fish, too. And even an alternate route to get to the next area faster. But literally, like, uh, in almost every other part of the game, you're just going to be rewarded with, like, a money bag and, or even something worse, like a balloon or a... Akko sugar. Yeah, like an aqua, sh- like a sugar, the balloons, some consumable ceramic shards. Yeah, it's just like the game was spitting in my face every time I got a ceramic shard. Like, I'm not, there's like no. Sometimes you get crafting materials, but like, crafting materials are also not that exciting in this game because they're only for like, upgrading prosthetics, and a lot of prosthetics don't feel like huge jumps in, of sh- huge ships at yeah. all. So it's like, exploration is made less inherently fulfilling because, you know, the reward for exploration is way less satisfying than they were in, like, any of the Souls games where you can get, like, full sets of armor, entirely new weapons, you can get, like... It was really cool to get, like, a new armor set. Like, techniques. And also, like, because they had more meaningful rewards that you get for exploration, they also played around with, like, you know, using them as a narrative device. Like, sometimes you find, like, a plot-relevant sword... Or a plot relevant spell in this in a particular area in a game, and that add to the texture of the world because you'd be like, oh wow, why is this weapon that's specifically tied to an element that's like anti deity in this part of the game? Mm-hmm. What does that tell you? Whereas here is like, whoa, 
up in this corner of this mountain, there's a ceramic shard. What is this potter doing? You know, it's like nothing. It's I mean, but that's it, it's because they changed consumable. it. They changed it. Like, you don't get armor sets in this game, and you don't get new weapons in this game because there's only the sword, right? Yeah, but even if they did something minor, like like I don't know, the no, because how schemata. can you have a varied lore related thing um, if you're not gonna have different weapon drops or armor drops? Like, a prayer bead placement? Like, sometimes they do place uh, gourd seeds in weird places. Yeah, or prayer beads or, like, gourd seeds, but, like... Like, what what could they have done? Like, fashion souls? Just, like, explicitly state that the armor you get doesn't change your armor value? Because there's no RPG values, right? Yeah. There's I no mean, armor stack. Sure, cosmetics could have been an option. Not a particularly satisfying one. More stuff, like, in this area, you find, like, the feather for the first time, right? You find, like, the first version of prosthetics in pretty interesting places... That's like the only real good reward, right? Mm. Um, the prosthetics are difficult to link to lore, though. Because you don't have, like, you know... None of the prosthetics are related to immortality. Some it's, of them it's are weird places, like, anyway. Yeah, so... I don't know. Like, maybe prosthetic schemata instead of just the upgrade materials. Maybe... Yeah, maybe schemata or things like it. Schemata? Or like or like you know how like the leveling tree just has like all the nodes? Maybe you'd you'd find those nodes in the environment, you know? Mm. And then you'd be able to choose whether or not to put points into them. But why would there be like ninjutsu or those nodes in those places anyway? Yeah, you can find a reason for it. Like a Mikiri counter could be like like in a dojo, you know? Like as like like the monks are hiding it. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of stupid, but you know what I mean. <laughs> or like a guy who's wanted revenge on the monks and retraining training ways to like beat them. Hmm. Um, I don't know, but yeah, I mean the areas. It wasn't cool when you went to like a secret looking nook and there was just a ceramic shirt. That's the the whole of it essentially. Of why yeah. I found the exploration really unengaging. You just got a lot of echo sugars and uh, whatever the defensive one is, and yeah. Sometimes you get, what was it? The yellow one that heals you to full on your resurrection. Oh, isn't there like a Jizo Buddhist statue thing that gives you extra, refreshes your resurrection thing? Yeah. That's pretty much it, really. Like, I think some people talked about that too, where if you start playing New Game Plus, the game's actually not that long. It's actually really good for speedrunning. Yeah. Because you can just blitz through most of the content. Because there's not actually that much. Most of the things that are important are gated behind the content you have to go through anyways. Prayer beads, um, attack up upgrades, which are going to be the most relevant things that you'd want. Yeah. So. I don't know, how do you feel? Ooh. What the hell? Drink like, water. I just swallowed some honey. <laughs> uh, are we being too negative? I think we are. Uh, if I had to put a ratio for negative to positive criticism... I mean, I am overall, like, kind of negative on this game at this point. Like, oh, I think yeah? the experience as a whole, I enjoyed quite thoroughly. But that's only because of the one part of the game I enjoyed a lot, which is combat. What's the sell? Like, how... If you're going to recommend secure to someone, why would you recommend it to them? Engaging combat and fun boss encounters and the challenge. But that's all under engaging combat. No, like, actually, how would you say it? Oh, I'd be like, oh, yeah, you should check Secure out. It's like, uh, it solves most of the problems I had with Souls Combat 
in terms of like making it and it makes it like way more dynamic and the bosses are the most fun they've ever been in this kind of a game for me mm. why i mean the caveats i'd say would be like you know it's really hard yeah, it's hard. Um, like, if you get through the beginning of the area... They don't like do a good job of up. teaching you the nuances of the combat. Like, why didn't, like, the guy just teach you a lot more? Like, who? The dude who's like, you can use me as a combat buddy if you so, want. Some people did. But I'll um, just teach you three things. <laughs> I think when you get Mikiri counter, right? Yeah. I think he should have explicitly forced you to go to the tutorial for Mikiri counter. I think Miku counter is really scary to do. Yeah. And it should not have cost two skill points, by the way. Uh, yeah. I disagree with it, that. It just feels like it should have been part of the game in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about something else then. I think, okay, just talking about exploration, the, the tactile feeling of exploration was pretty good though, wasn't it? Yeah. Like Only the sprinting, the, jumping, the movement. The first areas and Ashina Castle. I think everywhere else it was kind of... Whatever. I don't know. I mean, just like, just in terms of raw control of your character, I think he feels really good. It's not floaty. Like, it, he just controls exactly yeah. the way you'd want him to. I mean, like, Dark Souls, when you jumped, it felt like you were, like, kind of, Oh, like, my gosh. Dark Souls jumping was crazy. It felt like there was an invisible hook above you that let you move your feet, like, one foot above the ground for, like, two seconds, and then you'd land again. I really like the mobility the game had, actually. Like, the, the hook shot, the fact that you don't need to directly <laughs> look at it, Oh, I like it that. It works really well. I like that there was no roll unless you're knocked on the ground. Because, like, it really didn't make sense how much fucking somersaulting Dark Souls characters do. <laughs> it's like, it's crazy. Like, who somersaults that much? Like, you, you see it memed in, like, cosplay events where, like, they're just, the guy dressed as Solaris is rolling everywhere. It looks so weird. And, like, this game finally made me feel like, oh, it is weird, isn't it? Because he doesn't roll that much. When he, when he, like, his role is like a he jumped jumping a little to the side, which makes a lot more sense. Like imagine every time Juzo did the overhand strike, you roll to get out of the way. It'd be so weird, actually. <laughs> or get iframes and roll into him. Yeah, that'd be really funny as a mod. They turn into Dark Souls. Oh man. So you want to just talk about how the intrusive UI was really dumb. Like. Okay, uh, let's start from the beginning then. So I think that the UI and the game was. Okay. You're not talking about the UI in general. You're talking specifically about the thing they did where you have to press start to get rid of the, the, the yeah. box that appears. So the UI that they did in the game and... Um, oh, okay. For one, the UI in the game in terms of how they give you information wasn't all that sophisticated. Right? Yeah. So most of the information they give you in terms of the, like, the nuanced mechanics in the game are like pop-up text, right? Sure. And in the beginning when they do it, it kind of makes sense. The fact that the pop-up also matters because it literally freezes time and, and they keep doing it during, like, in a quick succession when you're, like, actively engaged in doing something. Like, as you're fighting someone, they'll give you the pop-up for, like, how to use a health cord and use quick items. Or right when you're about to start fighting a dude, they'll tell you about counterattacks, which, like, right before you fight is more, more excusable. But sometimes when you're, like, running past people or just finishing or right about like in the middle of an encounter they do it which is kind of inexcusable and like we like in dark souls they already had a system in place for showing that kind of information that was opt-in because you could just press x on the message on the floor and it didn't pause combat at all i mean some might say that's a flaw too because then you can't really ruminate on the information they're giving you because you're also actively in a live state in the game i guess you get hit too yeah, and 
it means that they can't do really long messages. They'd have to divide it up across multiple messages. It was a complex idea. But one thing they did with the pop-up messages is like, like they combined the idea of posture with the idea of death blows. And death blows is like a pretty minor part of that whole idea, but posture is a huge, big idea that's kind of minimized by not giving enough information early. Like they don't tell you that the bar represents posture. They don't tell you that the different colors represent different posture states where it'll recover slower as it gets closer to red posture and it's, and like orange posture and yellow posture. They don't tell you like a bunch of important stuff. So, you know, yeah, it didn't matter that it was a pop-up. The other aspect of it is uh, pop-ups eliminate all surrounding context. You can't move. You can't attack. You can't do it. You can't even pause. Like, right, it freezes time. Yeah, and because of that, there's no context to whatever you're reading in terms of, like, the game state. I mean, work they're, not like, they're not like UI control scheme masters over at FromSoft. Like, you know, if you when you're locked on and you want to turn the camera with your joystick and it's making you change target, it's like, all right, why would you use cha- why would you sh- attach change target to the analog stick that's usually used to control the camera that's like infuriating until you just accept it but that's not well, a good you that's not a good control scheme decision by any stretch i guess one last thing about just control schemes in general is uh they got like sprinting really good they got movement really good i think the way that they had to handle the grapple we don't even need to be directly looking at it it's mostly based on proximity yeah. You can just kind of add an R2 spam. Oh, L2 spam, is it? L2. Yeah. Uh, it's really good. Uh, I think the camera was suffered a lot in the transition from to 3D. Um, if you... Specifically, if your back is to the wall and an enemy is attacking you and you're locked onto the enemy oh, and the yes. enemy's too close, you the camera phases into Sekiro and you can't see anymore. Yeah. Like, if the enemy's too close, the camera goes really weird. Yeah, I got hit a lot because of that. Yeah, or if, like, a character is jumping towards you, and they jump, like, above you, like, the camera, like, whiplashes. I mean, enemies behave really stupidly when they're cornered, too. It's, like, both sides. Mm. <laughs> I guess that's another thing that's consistent from player to enemy. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Like, they keep jumping back against the walls if that's in the distance, and then when, when most enemies are locked in a jumping animation, you can get a free hidden. Yeah. So they just like jump, oh, and they keep staggering. I think mean, that's a really good thing about Lady Butterfly. She doesn't jump backwards necessarily. She jumps up yeah. into like the air on an invisible strand. I wish she did some stuff like that more. Yeah, like it was also really cool. Yeah. Um, Aesthetic. Really visually cool. But Ganishira, uh, Gen- he just gets, Genichiro. He just gets stuck on a wall and he just he's, gets three hits. He's itchy. Alright. <laughs> he's not Ishi. He's itchy. Genichiro. He has rashes. His <laughs> armor is always falling off. Oh yeah, they never explained that. Lightning makes strip. I don't know. <laughs> it is a wave tomorrow. But yeah. You didn't talk about the last boss at all. Either. It was fun. I mean, they have the Genichiro phase, which is kind of whatever. It's forgettable. The first. Ishin phase, he has very deliberative slow moves, so you actually have to like time your parries properly. Mm. And if you, but in the next phase, if you over rely on parries, you can get messed up because he has long chains of attacks that he's like a spear. Yeah. Again, right? He like he punishes like parry spamming because like his attacks are a little off kilter. Mm. I mean, you still can parry spam against him, but you have to like it only really works if you're already like topped off on stamina. 
if you're at low stamina and you parry spam against Ishin, then He's just I think either either of his phases, you'll probably like just die. They're really different fights, I think, from after he takes out his spear. I think Ishin phase two might be easier. Ishin, he, does, he does more punishable moves at that phase. It's because you can't heal very safely against him. He has like giant thrust attacks and giant um jump. He punishes uh, your healing more in phase one. You think so? Yeah, I think. I wish they actually kept him on sword all the way through. The spear stuff was kind of lame, in my opinion. Mm. It. Yeah, I don't know. It made him much more like uh Genichiro again, because he started to use the lightning attacks in the final final phase. Yeah. The final final phase wasn't actually that bad. Mm. It was uh for a while I was messing up on it because the I wasn't like countering the lightning thing properly. Mm. But it's cause you have to use R one after you get hit by the lightning, but I kept jump R oneing before I got hit by the lightning. Mm. So but that's solved by just jumping and spamming R one before you hit the ground. Because you attack really oh, fast and Yeah, you yeah. That mechanic was never explained uh properly, I feel. There was, we're talking about was, uh, the scroll huh? on the wall. Yeah. I don't There's know no place would... to train that. I, it would have it made no sense if the uh, if your training buddy was able to do an electric I mean, attack. That was a pretty minor part of that fight. You actually don't even need it to beat that fight, right? It, it's more important um, for Ishin, I think. Yeah. Because his electric attacks are way wider. I mean, I hope they make another game uh, based off of these mechanics and using this as like the first point. I think yeah. they did a better job with Dark Souls as, like... No, that's not true. Because they moved from Demon Souls to Dark Souls and kind of refined it a bit. Yeah. Um, although I think Demon Souls had better game feel. Uh, yeah. But anyway. I hope they keep this parry system into the next game is what I mean. Mm. And maybe give it more of a Dark Souls treatment in terms of narrative and stuff. Can I talk about other side stuff? Sure. Um, I really wish you could replay the bosses. Oh, yeah. I really, really wish you could replay the bosses. Because that's the most fun part of the game. But they make you do, like, a whole playthrough if you want to, like, fight Madame Butterfly I don't want to fight Juzo again. <laughs> He's so annoying. But I'd love to fight Madame Butterfly again. Um, I wish they gave you an option for just turning on, like, because uh, you know there's hard mode if you, turn, if you uh, clank the demon bell? Yeah. And the demon bell doesn't actually change that much about the game, right? But it changes how the bosses play. They get, like, faster and they're much more aggressive. Yeah. But I would have loved to play through, like, Madame Butterfly hard mode. Um, like, Gyobu hard mode. Genichiro hard mode. Without having to, like, deal with getting through the whole game again. Yeah. I mean, arguably, the game gets a lot shorter after you know where everything is. Yeah. It's, it's true. Like it, it gets shorter because you don't have to explore because, like we said, there's nothing worth getting. Yeah, I mean, not really, no. Because if, you, if you're if you going to want the challenge anyway, it was the point of cheesing it with Aqua Sugars or whatever. Yeah. Specifically. Um, yeah, and, you know, like, because there's certain bosses that are gated behind certain routes. Like, the shortest route, the Ashura arc. Yeah. Like, you get to fight Emma. I, I, I would have loved to see that. Yeah, but oh, you have to. You can't even fight some of the bosses without starting a new run. Just yeah. crazy. It's so, st so stupid. <laughs> and there's another one where you get. I, think I didn't get to fight. Boss. I didn't get to fight upgraded owl or Emma, but I got to fight that fucking dragon, that fucking gimmick boss. <laughs> it was so stupid. I mean, you gotta have at least one gimmick boss. 
They had one, the monkeys. Then they added, they got greedy and they added another one. <laughs> they got greedy after the monkeys. I don't even know if the monkeys count as a boss. It's not even a boss, really. It's a boss because you attack damage after. <laughs> Shinobi slain. Oh my god. Um, you literally killed, like, what, the monkey ghost of dead children and you called it a boss? They only wanted to protect her. Yeah, but they were don't, dead. Don't be angry they were dead that. kids, basically. How do you know that? Because they were all kids. All of them died except her. How do you know those are the monkeys? That's what they said they were. They did. Yeah. The monkeys were kids. They're like the kids, the divining kids' spirits that didn't pass on. They're like stuck in between. They took the forms of monkeys for some half-assed reason. What about the exposition monk? I don't know what he's doing now. <laughs> he's like the only one that's not crazy. <laughs> Everyone else out. attacks you on sight. I don't know what the hell is going was on. Was he the only friendly monk? No, it was him and the... And the fat monk who got ditched. He didn't have his pinwheel. Everyone is here. That means <sighs> everyone else died. Yeah, who I put the know. pinwheels there? I don't know. The uh, ghost spirit that stalks you. I wish even more ham with the last boss fight. Like, like two or three more phases where one of them is like very ninja-y. One of them is very, like, fast attacky. Oh, a true culmination, you mean? Yeah. Because they had, like... Was there any phase in that that had, felt like very heavy attacks? Not really. Yeah, second, the... When he takes out his spear. It's not heavy. He's, it's, it's, like, fast heavy. Like, heavy they do a lot, in, like... When he does, like, the big spear attack, it does a lot of posture damage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whatever. I know, it was... Yeah. And you kind of have to do the correct input because the range of his attacks are so long and he's so fast at attacking. Yeah. There's just small stuff about the game that you just pick up that they never tell you. Like, you can... Some attacks will keep going if, if you... Even if you parry them. Some attacks won't. Some attacks can be interrupted if you auto-attack them. Even red attacks. Some mm. of them you can't. You can jump off the heads of not just the, the swipes, but sometimes the grabs, sometimes... Oh, uh, like, you, you mean Genichiro? When he does, like, his, uh... He has, like, a two-attack combo. Oh, yeah. But you can't interrupt the second part of it when he does a sweep. Yeah. Yeah, and there's also the fact that sometimes when they do really big spear attacks, it puts you into, like, a kind of helpless state, even if you perfect counter it. Like, you get pushed back. Oh, yeah, you're just really like, strong attacks. Yeah. Which is also kind of evidence that you're not supposed to parry those usually. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. They, they still do a lot of posture damage even if you parry perfectly. Mm. Also, um... Can't you? Doesn't your posture not break if you're perfect parrying every time? Yeah, like you'd be at maxed up like posture where one hit will send you. Uh, have your posture broken, but if you perfect parry, cons like even after that, then you just don't break your posture. I didn't yeah. learn that until after I beat the game actually, which probably means they sucked. <laughs> but yeah. I don't think they taught you how to sprint either. Yeah, dude, I played like the whole like first three hours of the game without sprinting yeah it was crazy yeah you just walked really slowly they never the they never tell you that in a tooltip right i don't they didn't tell you that in a tooltip they don't even give you all the information yeah. which is the issue sprinting is actually huge for getting around in the first part of the game too yeah it really is or it would help like no, sprinting is really important in the game yeah but anyway any other random thoughts did you like the death blow sound yeah, the feeling that, of I it? mean, it kind of like was a bit too much in the beginning, but I started to like it. All the blood splurting and stuff. I felt like you got really strong after fighting Genichiro. 
boss. Oh yeah, I thought Ishin wasn't gonna be the last boss. I thought it was gonna be a pivot point because, and that's when like all the demonic stuff would come to the fore, because you're they're like embroiled in a conflict with this the Ministry of the Interior, or whatever they were called, and like it was gonna start being like like legit like equivalent of like Japanese apocalypse, like demons and all these uh, like otherworldly forces stuff coming to the fore. Because, like, that's what, like, they're hinting at with, like, Genichiro, too, right? Like, I'm going to pursue the heretical arts. Oh, I see. I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to defend this land. Her. And you never really see the fruits of that. Like, you see... Because they're getting rolled, like, when you see the defense of the interior people fighting the Ashina people. Oh, yeah. So, the, like, demonic stuff unlocked, uh, like, you know, symbolized by Ishin coming out of Genichiro. Mm. And then when you go back there, like, all the Ashina people are, like, red-eyed and, like going batshit oh, crazy and like you know throwing shit at people becoming monkeys inexplicably I don't know is there anything else so you like the game yep um oh also just I think the name is much less uh like what are you gonna call it a Sekiro like does not roll off the tongue a soul's like Shadow's Die Twice is a shitty title when they give you Sakura Droplet to die three times but you only really get to die twice per boss, unless you get a backstab or a death blow. Sorry. Okay, uh, we could we could end this in the way we began. So you enjoyed the game a lot, like you really liked the fundamental combat and everything like that, and you think it was executed at a level that kind of carried the game, right? And it was done better than like pretty much all of the other From Software games. Yeah, I think it was my favorite combat in the entire franchise, and everything else about it was lackluster. I mean, it was exhilarating Compared the to the rest though. of the franchise. Like, it can't be understated how good the combat was yeah. in this game. Yeah, I think the combat was so good that it carried, like, the whole experience for me. I think it would have been, like, if they held to the standards of everything else, like, that they didn't... Like, if they just were equitable with, like, the other Souls games in terms of narrative, world mood, aesthetics... Because that's mean, kind of what was lost. And they had bit. that combat. I, this would have been one of my favorite games of like all time. Yeah. But I still think this is like the what the best game I've played in recent memory. Mm. But you don't it, get games like this. But as a you know as a holistic experience, it really suffered from the other elements. Mm. But the combat was just so fucking fun. Like you get you get a honeymoon period after beating a game, right? It, like yeah. you know when you like read a really good oh, book. And you yeah. Come down yeah. And it. a lot of things have really shitty endings, but like. I mean, this one, it had a shitty ending narratively, but as as far as a game experience, that was one of my favorite bo- last boss experiences I've had. Like, mm. that felt really good as a last boss. To be ch- that challenged, to like, they're, they're not like, gonna let you yeah. get away with just... I wish it wasn't the last boss, but at the same time, that was a really fun last boss. Yeah. And, um, like, I started off um, by asking you whether or not you thought this was a, uh, you could classify this as a Soulsborne game, right? And I think it's kind of clear that it's like a Soulsborne game in that if you're going to describe Sekiro, you describe it like it's like Dark Souls, right? I mean, the term Soulsborne is telling, right? It's not just is it like a Souls game anymore. Yeah. Bloodborne separates itself enough that now is it like a Soulsborne game, right? Yeah. So now, I mean, I think Sekiro was good enough where like people might, you know. I don't think this will happen. This is my joke, but they'll, they'll be asking if it, is it a Soulsborne Kiro game now. <laughs> but um, my point is that Sekiro is distinct enough from the either of those games to kind of be like, it's a variation. It's kind of a different. It's not of the same species. It's of the same genus. Though. I don't know how to describe it. It's it's a variation. It's different. It's different from just 
um, like getting a different color of something. It's like, it's like if, <laughs> if Bloodborne and um, Dark Souls were like sandwiches, it's like we got a hoagie. No, that's terrible. If Bloodborne, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean, right? It's it's, they're different, uh, but similar. But they're different in ways that are more. Like herpes. God. Well, there's a lot of herpes. Yeah, I know. Elephants are dying because of herpes. Baby elephants. They can't stop it. They just inject. All right. So if elephants. if if I'm gonna call Dark Souls um, diabetes type type one, and I'm gonna call Bloodborne diabetes type two, then secure is herpes. <laughs> is that what you wanted? <laughs> Like they both have different ways are you, of. Are you just fishing for an endo? You could like have. So I'm not many fishing different... for an endo. I'm just trying like... to. This that's in this a is... way. It's ironic that Sekiro is all about ending immortality because the game sucks so hard that it killed the immortal franchise that is Soulsborne. Oh my god. There we go. <laughs> it's no. It's more like um. How do I say this? Okay, here's a, here's one more question. Do you think Sekiro will have as much longevity as the Soulsborne games? I mean, it depends if this is the only game. Are there going to be if, as it, many... if it's if it's just this? Then I don't think so. Because what people remember in terms of it as people remember it as a holistic experience, and even if they remember the challenge of the game and how difficult and how rewarding the the combat felt. Like the story notes were so subpar that like as experience, it's kind of sullied a bit and leaves. It, I think, in terms of the aftertaste of a game, a lot of that is informed by the narrative, the mood, and the atmosphere. Mm. And this one just leaves such a weird, shitty feeling in your mouth in terms of, like, like I don't even understand the true endings with all the context. Yeah. And even if you do, they're, like, kind of... You understand them in a way that's just inherently very unfulfilling. It's not only that, though, but it's, like, do you want to understand? Like, are you, are you attracted in plumbing those deaths? Like, is it something that you're drawn to because like, i think you could say the same thing about the other games as well yeah but like, like they they kind of aren't very simple to understand by design yeah. but it's like but was it was uh like even when we're like, talking about exploring and it not giving you a lot of good rewards but was the actual act of just... no i mean that's 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 what it is that's the perfect metaphor for the whole game like every npc quest line ends with a whimper where you get something really unrewarding that you that's really feels like it wasn't really worth it like the path the journey to getting to the end of that npc quest line is kind of fun and you're kind of interested it's like oh how's this going to resolve but when you get to the end it feels very unfulfilling and vapid because they just give you like a wet balloon of a prize and like that's that's the game in a nutshell like the journey is extremely fun the the journey is fun because the mode in which you're traversing the game is just so enjoyable and the challenge of the journey is super fun, but what you get at the end is, is like worse than like a participation trophy. You're just getting like this wet blanket of a prize. You'd rather the do the ceramic without. shard of stories. Yeah. The Mibu balloon of stories. It was really fun though. Like it was a great game to even. I think it's a great game to even watch, and it's 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 a game or a type of game that doesn't come around that often just because so many. I think 
you kind of mentioned this before uh, talking to me, but it, I think people do crave difficult experiences. And it's a game that was really, really uncompromising for better or worse. And you just don't get games like that that often. There's something to be said about it having only one difficulty setting. Inclusivity concerns aside. Like, it really did make the experience of playing Sekiro and getting to that early area feel like something everyone could collectively experience and engage yeah. with. And, you know, it's... Like, I've been really disappointed by a lot of AAA titles. And this was a game that we just played immediately after release. And I don't regret it at all. It was really fun. And I could recommend it to a lot of other people. Yeah. As an experience. Like I said, it, it might not have as the longevity of the other games that they've had. But, like, they're... They're so high up there in terms of game quality that, you know, it's it's only feels subpar relative to their own standards. I mean, the combat is still really good, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bosses are pretty fun. You're just splicing me agreeing with you. <laughs> but I don't. That wouldn't be very authentic, would it? You could say the game went from Zero to set hero. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I found it kind of funny that streamers couldn't. Uh... Didn't streamers finish the game mostly? No, no, no. It's not that. It's more like. It's kind of a story in playing the game. It's like. Dramatic irony. It's like, oh, what's, what's this person going to do when they reach Genichiro? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like. The first time you fight Genichiro or, or like, you know, Owl even. I don't think Owl is like mega difficult, but Owl like two shots here yeah. with the sword attacks. It's like, oh my gosh, just like, uh, it, there's like a story to every boss and overcoming it. That's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. And overcoming is the fun. Sekiro is the inverse of a hike. The journey is actually fun and the destination. So it's the inverse. Of but what hiking. about walking down from the hike? <laughs> Why don't you like hiking? It's like skiing then. Skiing? The inverse of skiing. What happens when you're done skiing? Do you enjoy you the eat. ending? Let's eat. <laughs> you eat. I'm hungry. <laughs> How about the ski lift? Isn't ski lifts aren't ski lifts really fun? Sekiro is like playing a trombone. You on, don't e on ecstasy. <laughs> How? You don't have anything. You <laughs> just started. You don't got shit. <laughs> Sekiro is a set of headphones without a wire. AirPods? Bluetooth. AirPods are Bluetooth. <laughs> I want to eat. <laughs> You're just talking about food now. Sekiro uh, is a pizza without condiments. Ow. Sekiro is a sandwich. Did you like hugging the walls? I did like hugging the walls. I think hugging the oh, walls the, was really stupid. I guess stupid. that was the last thing then. You could splice in anywhere. What? Exploration was also unrewarding because it felt like there were a lot less, like, secrets than in the previous game. It would've been cool if there was, like, you know, like... There was, like, one revolving stuff. door. And I wish there were, like, 50 revolving doors. 
You wish there were 50 revolving doors. Or the equivalent of it, yeah. Uh, I wish there was more lore stuff if you like explored. I think Bloodborne was really cool to explore. Like the different, just the different areas, even if you didn't get really good rewards. But we don't need to do another completing that, you can just splice another bottom. I guess we're good then? Yeah. Okay. I think we are. Let's Wait, we're not doing an opening? Uh, if you really feel like you can't splice one together, what we have, we'll do another one. But we don't have to do it now. Right now. Alright, this will be the placeholder one if you can't do anything. This, this isn't a podcast. This is just two people talking. We're real. We're, we're chonk. I didn't take a shower. <laughs> we should have a slogan like that other guy. <laughs> my, my slogan will be, Hi, we're here to talk about blank, and I didn't take a shower today. Why is that? Why? Why is that your intro? <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> what, what is your? How does your favorite podcast do an intro? They just like that they, weird Dark Souls. They, they just do really verisimilitude. They talk about something inane and unrelated, then they laugh and then they do the intro music. You want to talk about something inane? Yeah, dude. You notice how cups hold <laughs> things like balls <laughs> and liquids. Balls and <laughs> intro music. All right, this all right. Today's episode is about what? Sekiro. Episode one, Sekiro. Game by what? Wait, this <laughs> holy shit. Game by who? From. Why? Game from. Why? Not <laughs> <laughs> saying the from. When? You're not setting me up. And where? <laughs> exactly. All right. From. Software. <laughs> no, what the hell? Dude, let's eat. No. Come on. <laughs> this could so be the bit. You're so hungry. <laughs> we'll call it the podcast. I'm so hungry. How often do you change your boxers? No. No ads. Not even the joke of an ad. Fuck ads, man. That wasn't an ad. <laughs> Shut up. It sounded like an ad. I don't even want to hear the word ad free. Hey, this is... This you play games 50% better if you sleep on the floor. So sleep on the floor where you belong. Animal. You sexy animal. Ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we just need one intro and you can stop. So th we're going to be talking about Sekiro today. Sekiro? Yeah, the game Sekiro by FromSoft. <laughs> From Software. Yes. Is and we're going to be talking about it so hard that there's going to be spoilers. Do you know what a spoiler is? Spoilers? Exactly. <laughs> it's about... Oh my god. This is, uh, we're just going to be talking about Sekiro, you know, we're all casual. We're, we're aggressively casual, one might say. We're really critical, though. Is there a way we can introduce the fact that we're really critical and that we like things by being really critical? Alright, we're going to be talking about Sekiro, and it might sound like we hate it, because we do. We hate lots of parts of it, but we also really liked it. Well, I mean, I liked one part in particular, but anyway, there's <laughs> going to be lots of spoilers. Alright, we're going to be talking about Sekiro, and we're going to be talking about all of Sekiro. Last Mostly boss, the early game. first boss, middle boss... Exploration, mini bosses, mini mosses. <sighs> hi, we're gonna talk about. I don't like saying hi. 
We're gonna talk about Sekiro, and we're gonna break it down. So we're gonna, gonna have a lot of spoilers. Break it! <laughs> break it down! <laughs> I'm so hungry. I'm joined with my co-host. What's the co-host? That guy. It's terrible. Alright, whatever. I'll just figure it out later. Fuck it. Thank God. Jesus Christ. I think my I... idea was better. Just what? splicing the initial stuff with us struggling, not trying. Just talking around it. Talking around it is a valid intro now. Past. Now that is we're that past. Is that better? But it's very postmodern, you know? You don't, you don't have to try anymore. Poma. You just have to talk about how you're trying. You hey. Know? You don't say, you... hey, I'm job hunting. No, you don't, you don't, you don't just job hey, hunt. Job hunting? You say, I'm job hunting. You don't, you don't say, uh. Hey. So it's like. Hey, co-host, how did you want to do the intro? Oh, you know, you know, put in some snazzy jokes, some intro music, and let them imagine the rest. How are we going to introduce the fact that we're really critical, but we like the game a lot? Maybe we just talk about having trouble introducing that fact and call it a day. This, this Wait, why do we, we don't even have to do criticism, we just say, like, you know, everyone loves when you just be all meta, you know, you could just be like, Criticism about combat. Disagreement. <laughs> Qualification. <laughs> Affirmation. What the hell is there this? we go. That was the podcast. That was really bizarre. That was everything. <laughs> it might not even be a podcast. It might be a video. Stop saying the word podcast. It's a pog. Chan. It's a. Also, I hate it when people do the whole. I'm ironically doing the sin I'm making fun of. Which is what this is. <sighs> We're going to be talking about Sekiro. Here are some colors to look at while we talk. This one is red. <laughs> this one is blue. Red and blue make... Purple. Which is funny, because purple... is the color of royalty. Alright, 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 fine. And what did FromSoft do? Oh, so they royally <laughs> fucked up. They fucked up so hard that their dick is in heaven! Touching God! <laughs> right on the cheek! <laughs> Alright, we're done.